Well, this is my first time preaching to three people and a GoPro, so uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yep, everything's sorted. This is great. It's a real honour, actually, to share with you this morning, and Tim asked me to share something that's been on my heart, which um, he gave me a lot of freedom, which is always nice, and I think where my heart has really been camped through this sort of unusual uh, lockdown season where we're largely locked in with uh, those we live with, apart from the three million people I go to the beach with every afternoon, <laughs> uh, I found myself thinking more and more about the importance of others. And uh, it's not because I don't like the people I live with, I'm still <laughs> in love with my husband and kids. Um, but, you know, I'm accustomed, as we all are, to having a much larger sphere of people in and out of our day-to-day -day life than uh, what we do at the moment. And, of course, that creates challenges and differences in our day-to-day -day for all of us. Um, I've also felt a real burden for others in this season because it's easy for some, it's really tough for others. And some circumstances to be locked into are... <coughs> quite challenging, um, both here in our community and I think abroad, obviously, we can't miss what's going on all around the world. Um, and I've had a real burden in prayer and, and just reaching out to others in this season in, in some way. You have to be a bit creative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's really, I think, in this season, it's been a real time to get recentered for me with God. I'm just speaking personally for a moment. <laughs> um, I felt like uh, God's really uh, resented me afresh to live that Christ-centered life that we're called to live. And I'm a real visual person, and I always come back to the visual of the cross, the, um, the upward surrender, mm. living given to Christ, and the outward service, living given to others. And I think we can overcomplicate life, but the simple Christian life is really that, an upward mm. surrender living given to Christ and an outward service living given to others. And the two are inextricably linked, without a doubt. I think in the culture and the beautiful part of the world that we're lucky to live in, it is actually quite easy to um, move from that Christ-centred life to that self-centred life. Um, in fact, I think our culture provokes it, and which is why really we need all the more to just continually come back to the cross and come back to that Christ-centered life. I think to be really honest, I've been in church my whole life. I can't remember a Sunday. I barely haven't been in church. And there have been times in my life where I've just been so preoccupied with my beautiful Christian family and friends that I've perhaps forgotten yeah. about the others yeah, that God wants to bring into my world in some way. But truthfully, I find more energy and more purpose in that than anything else. Uh, and Tim's been talking the past few weeks about the kingdom of God. And I want to walk through this morning the parable of the banquet in Luke 14, which is about Jesus' heart for others to be included in the kingdom of God. However, before I do that, I just want to have a look at our greatest example in the Bible, Jesus, because he really holds the keys 
to walking out that upward and outward, loving God and loving others' life perfectly. So we don't need to, um, we don't really read a lot about um, Jesus until his ministry years, apart from his birth story, obviously, and the story of him running away from his parents. Uh, we read in Luke 2.52 that he grew and increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. And that's really about all we read about Jesus' sort of upbringing and life until he started his ministry years. Then we read in Luke 4 that as he was preparing for his first ministry assignment, age 30, preaching in his hometown in Nazareth, that he was first led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And he returned, it says, in the power of the Holy Spirit to begin his ministry, to begin his life of service for others, teaching, befriending, making disciples, healing, advocating, doing life with many others. And as we continue reading through Luke, we read that his ministry grew and the demands on him grew. But I want us to understand this first, that Jesus, even Jesus himself, had to draw away to be filled with the Holy Spirit to outwork that outward life that he was called to. And he continued to do that throughout his ministry years. It says in Luke 5.15, The report went around concerning, concerning him and all the more, and the great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. He had to withdraw in prayer to rest and be refreshed, to recenter on what God was wanting him to do, to be filled with the Holy Spirit to go and to do. So if Jesus had to do that, how much more would we need to do that and have that <coughs> discipline and habit in our world? My friend shared a little analogy with me this week about praying and doing in the Christian life. I like rowing a boat. One oar is praying and the other oar is doing. And if we're only praying, we're going around in circles. If we're only doing, we're going around in circles. But if we're praying and doing, we're getting some momentum in the Christ-centered life that we're called to live. And Jesus lived this way. And it kept him from being overwhelmed, overworked, anxious, fearful, worried. Um, and it kept him on his true north, doing only what his father called him to do. And it kept his eyes open to see others that needed a touch of him in their world. And uh, as Jesus' ministry continued, right before the parable of the banquet, which we'll focus on this morning, we read in Luke 14 that he was at a, di at a dinner um, at a Pharisee's house where he was addressing the jostle for position that the guests were carrying on about and making a point that our heart should always remain humble and our priority should always be the inclusion of others. Not just enjoying living, like I said, I have sometimes been guilty of in the comfortable zone with our family and friends, but being genuinely interested in inclusive with other people whom have nothing to repay us, mm. <laughs> nothing to yeah. provide us with, but just purely because they're valuable. They're valuable to God. Then uh, one of the men at the table heard Jesus saying these things 
um, reworking their jostle for position and encourage them, encouraging them to include others. And he, and he said to, to Jesus, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And the man was actually saying, Everyone who knows you, Jesus, finds it a privilege, a blessing. It makes them happy to be in your presence in relationship with you in your kingdom. And Jesus took a moment to help them see that the invitation guest list for the kingdom of God may look a little different to what they think. And in response, shares this parable about a metaphorical banquet to try and help them understand God's heart, who he wants included in the kingdom. So let's walk through Luke 14, 16 to 14. I'll stop a few times. You might want to follow through in your Bible or your app. Um, but let's read this story because Jesus is the greatest storyteller. Yeah. Verse 16 says, Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Right there, the invitation into God's kingdom is and always has been inclusive of all, of many. Verse 17 says, He sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. And, you know, sometimes I think we need a reminder that the time is now to fully engage in the kingdom of God because it's partly the future, but it's partly the present. And um, we need to take our place in the kingdom of God now in our day-to-day world. Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we have the ability to bring heavenly answers to earthly problems, the will of God, the promises of God, the faith that casts out fear, miracles in people's lives. We've got to remind ourselves that uh, we can engage in that kingdom right now. Yeah. Uh, verse 18 says, But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first, I've bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. Uh, I ask you to have me excused. Another, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. I mean, that one's obviously fair enough. (laughs) Jake. These are all good things, buying property and assets and getting married. But as Christ followers, our priority is his kingdom. Yes. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added. And I know for Dave and I, whenever we've got that right in our world and in in our focus, in our priorities, when we've sought his kingdom first, we have just seen unbelievable blessing. That's God just bringing richness and beauty and all those other things into our life. 21. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed, the lame and the blind. There's haste in the heart of God to go, to include, to usher people in to his kingdom, to fill, to fill the kingdom with many, with no preference to position or stature, but just whoever will accept the invite. So 
So the servant said, Master, it's done as you commanded, and there is still more room. So the master said, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, <laughs> that my house may be filled. You can hear the heart of God yeah. in this passage. Yeah. Go, <laughs> compel, <laughs> include. And I want to talk about this in a moment because it's so doable for all of us. Yeah. Irrespective of our talents or circumstances. First of all, just before we go into that, just to point out that this parable starts with a reminder to all those who are already included to come. But with their preoccupation and their indifference, it becomes about others. <laughs> the soul sick, the down and out, the broken, the rejected, the lost, the poor. Uh, and I think in our world, these people can be our neighbours. They can yeah. be people we see daily, the people in the shops we go to. They can be expats just moved in next door. They can be foreigners. They can be people down at the beach, at work. Uh, and just that they might feel they don't fit in anywhere else. But there is a place for them in the kingdom yeah. of God. There's always more room. And our work as Christ followers is those three things that come, I think come out of that passage. Go, compel and include others in his kingdom that they would know there's a place in the presence of Jesus for them and there's a relationship with the heavenly father that will radically change their hearts and lives and eternal destination you know many people I come across particularly in my years as a pastor I find people are often running around in circles looking for purpose like a big thing that they can attach their life and purpose to can I just suggest that there is actually no bigger or greater purpose than just loving others? <laughs> there really is no, no greater purpose than day-to-day -day loving others. And it just takes a daily moment of, or a regular moment of stillness with Jesus. Um, who is the one I can reach today? Who's the one I can love today? Who's the one I can connect with today? And really, this expands, this type of living expands our world. You know, more blessed to give than to receive. And much of the richness I find that we've found in our lives is um, the others that God brings into our worlds and into our lives. And, you know, when I was in early high school, I was so excited about my relationship with God. <laughs> I knew Him personally, and I'd seen a phenomenal, unmistakable miracle in the life of my mother, which radically changed our family life. Wow. And I could not contain myself. The miracle happened when I was 12 years old and it just led me onto this path of being utterly uh, in awe of Jesus Christ. And I had no filter. <laughs> I was bold in sharing my faith <laughs> at every opportunity with anyone I could. And many of my friends, I filled that youth group, <laughs> many of my friends came to church and, and began a relationship with Jesus. And uh, the problem is that we can get knocked around in that yeah. pursuit of um, going and compelling and yeah. including. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was in the corporate workplace in my early 20s, I quickly discovered that some people weren't that into my faith. <laughs> They weren't that into my bold, unfiltered stories of what Christ had done in my life. And uh, here's the thing. Jesus actually experienced this too. So tracking back to that first ministry assignment that Jesus had in his hometown of Nazareth, 
where he re-emerged from the wilderness full of the power of the Holy Spirit. He preached these incredible words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And the people were furious and rejected him and drove him out of town. They wanted to throw him over a cliff. So we're in good company if we have a moment of rejection in our life as we go to love others. But he had spent that crucial time with Jesus in the wilderness. He'd drawn aside and he had his security well founded in him. And so he was able to push through that crowd and just move on to the next town and find a new place to minister and found a beautiful uh, authority and mighty work of God there. And we can get rejected and it can make us overconscious of how we share our faith. But Jesus moved through the crowd and pushed on. And I think some of us just need to do that. Just move through and push on. Because it's our lifetime assignment as Christ followers. My husband, Dave and I, six years ago, we felt such a burden for the community of Mossman. We'd been... uh, in ministry, in a sense, in Darlinghurst for 15 years, but we were living in Mossman. My husband works as a real estate agent in Mossman for, for 17 years now, and we'd lived there, well, we'd lived there for the most part of 15 years. Uh, our kids were in the local school and the local preschool, and we're very engaged in that community, and obviously it's a very privileged part of Sydney. But all we could see was the pain. God just opened our eyes to the the pain in the broken marriages, in the fractured families, in the mismanaged wealth, and we just we could just see pain everywhere. <laughs> My husband would go into open homes and it's just there's pain, there's so much pain. And we had a real burden to start a church in that area. So we we set about looking for others <laughs> to begin to gather a church community and uh, we hosted parties and dinners and all sorts. And my eyes in that season were wide open to whoever God would put in my path. And I just want to tell you one story about a woman that the Lord led me to. She was uh, a stranger. She was walking along the Mossman strip of shops. She was a very stylish, um, tall, beautiful lady. And I. I just all I could see is that she was downcast like all the time every time I saw her and I didn't know how to approach her or what was appropriate but I thought I'll just begin to pray so I began to pray for her and I soon discovered she was new to the area and she was actually the mother of a child in my daughter's class so I thought perfect I'll host a party and I'll invite her (laughs) so we hosted a party for all the parents in the class And we invited her along and she came and it began a journey of friendship with her and we discovered out we had a mutual love for shopping (laughs) and coffee and um, but what that led to is just uh, a softening and an opening and a beautiful friendship where I where she eventually talked to me about her circumstances and her depression and I was able just to share with her real stories of faith 
and peace I'd found in God, of the miracle about my mother that really touched her life, of uh, fears I'd overcome because God had helped me. <laughs> um, just real stories that no one can argue with our stories, right? It's, it's, they're stories. Yeah. Uh, then one day she came to the school athletics carnival, we're watching our kids run and she said, Kiralee, I've got this flyer and your face is on it and it looks like you're planting a church. I had failed to mention that <laughs> and I guess she thought it was strange because my husband was a real estate agent, which is an odd mix of pastoring and selling houses. Uh, and she said to me, I'll never forget, she said, you know, could I come? But I the words she used were, could someone like me come to your church? Oh. And, you know, inside, I was doing cartwheels, I'm hugging, <laughs> I'm kissing, I'm praising the Lord. On the outside, I'm cool as, sure, you can come. <laughs> so I began to sort of purposefully interweave her into some friendships with people that she would see at church at the launch, and that happened. And I watched over the course of a year her really soften to Jesus and, and, uh, and worship and um, come to Alpha and learn about Jesus and after many thousands of questions and conversations <laughs> I saw her have the most phenomenal encounter with Jesus that I could never have orchestrated because that's not our job. <laughs> All we're called to do is to go, to compel and to include and I'm just realizing more and more that the pressure's off because God is quite capable of doing the rest, <laughs> which is good. And I, I don't know, maybe you're thinking I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a pastor, maybe you've given this whole sharing my faith thing a shot and had rejection. Maybe you're just so stretched, you can't even foresee living given to one more thing. But the point of this story is that all I had to do was be in that place where my eyes were open mm. so that I could go and find that woman, so that I could compel her with my honest friendship and personal experiences with God and include her in my world. I didn't even invite her to church. She did that all on her own. And I think sometimes if we just take the pressure off and, and uh, just do those things, mm. go compel and include, we'll find that we're able to reach far more people <laughs> than we thought. And I think, you know, we can't vicariously live through a few people like the pastors <laughs> that are gonna go and compel. I remember coming to the point where I realized that Sydney was actually my mission field and as a follower of Christ, I'm actually responsible to play my part. That's good. And mm -hmm. we're, we're called, we're all called, we're all sent somewhere to, uh, bring the good news and maybe it's our workplace or our neighborhood or our mum's group or our school or our uni, yeah. footy club, boutiques, I'm happy to that one. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Wherever God would call us to see others and include others, that's where we can go. Others will always be the priority of heaven and we can align ourselves with that priority just by finding that stillness with Christ and allowing his heart to arrest our heart for others. Right. So I'd love to end with posing a challenge this morning. Yeah. What if we're all willing to ask God, who is that one 
that you um, that you could love and reach and include uh, might be someone that's already come to mind. It might be something you need to sit on for a few days or a few weeks. But I encourage you when someone comes to mind to uh, not ignore that, but to actually allow yourself to see that as a prompting from the Holy Spirit that he's going to help you walk that through. And what if we would begin to pray for that one and see where God leads them and find a way to include them mm-hmm. in our world? And what if we spent a moment just thinking about some of the real stories uh, that would encourage someone about our relationship with Jesus? We can all do this, <laughs> is the point. It's not hard. And God's, um, God's there to help us and guide us and direct us. And I believe if we all decided to do this, we could really see something miraculous in our midst. It's, um, it's simple Christian living, but it leads to miracles. So I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray for us as we go and compel and include um, that God would be with us. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you sought us out and included us in your kingdom and that we have the privilege of being in a relationship with you and in your presence, in a place where we can find that peace and that strength and that security founded in you. And Lord, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts one, one person, one family, one group of people that we could begin to pray for and love and compel into the kingdom of God. I pray, Lord, that you give us courage as we do that, courage to reach out of our comfort zone, reach outside of our comfortable sphere and include others in. And, Lord, I just pray for this community, this church community, Lord. I pray for Tim and Victoria and the team here that as they go and compel and include, that we would follow their lead and we would work together to see a mighty, miraculous move of God in this community and beyond. Lord, I just pray for anyone who might be listening to this who has never actually asked you into their heart, Mm -hmm. that they would take a moment right now just to say, yes, I'd like to invite you into my heart. I'd like to uh, enter into a relationship with you. I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to take me on a journey with you for the rest of my life as my Lord and as my Saviour. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.